Plans are nothing. Planning is everything. That is a quote by Dwight D. Eisenhower. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. If you've been watching the news these days, you will see that cyber attacks are on the rise and some of the biggest companies are being taken over by hackers. If you are a small or medium-sized business, you cannot afford to not operate securely. With Trina L. Martin Technology Consulting, we will help you use secure communication technologies so that you can communicate securely with your clients, customers, and employees while maintaining productivity and profitability. If you're ready to elevate your business operations, please reach out to me at nextlevel at trinalmartin.com. Welcome to episode 140. The topic of this episode is business success is planned. My guest this week is Michael Frenette. Mike Frenette is an employee and consultant in the IT and project management industries where he has toiled for over 30 years. He currently runs the Information Technology Project Management Office at a water utility in Canada and occasionally provides project management and change management training through a training firm, Corvo Project Management. A self-confessed project management evangelist, he specializes in helping organizations and people meet their strategic goals through planning and execution of projects. Mike feels the hallmarks of successful projects are strategic alignment, voracious communication, and high visibility. Hi, Mike. Welcome to Trina Talk. Hello, Trina. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to have you. You are a uh, project management expert, and I'm pretty sure you're going to explain to people out there exactly what that is. But how I usually like to start off is I always ask my guests, who is Mike and how did you become to be the Mike that you are today? Oh, well, I guess from the professional viewpoint, uh, I became an accidental project manager way back when, when uh, someone that I worked for said, hey, how would you like to uh, move back to Nova Scotia? I lived in Alberta at the time and manage a project to put in a court system at the provincial court in Nova Scotia. And I was a technical guy and, you know, fairly young and I had a lot of confidence. And I'd never managed a project. I said, hey can't be that hard. Sure. And so I went back to Nova Scotia and managed the project. I had some really excellent team members and it was uh, quite successful. And we put in a provincial court system, which had all the neat stuff you'd expect to see in a court system. And uh, then one day I discovered the Project Management Institute and realized that uh, there are many accidental project managers, but you don't have to remain that way. So I took up the uh, project management body of knowledge. And I joined the local chapter board and uh, was on it for about eight years and became a project management professional uh, while I was on that board uh, because it was embarrassing not to have the credential that PMI hands out when you're running the chapter. So, uh, And I haven't looked back since then. That was 19... Uh, no, it wasn't 19. It was 2003 when I got the credential, but 1999 when I started doing things with PMI. I've been managing projects since the mid-80s. Wow. Wow. Now, did you manage projects for a corporation or did you have your own business? How exactly did you get into that? Well, uh, it was a consulting firm 
that I uh, worked for at the time that I did the provincial court system. Uh, after about three years, I went to work for uh, Michelin Tires and uh, ran their data administration shop for a while and uh, left about six years later and went back into consulting. So basically was in consulting uh, for, well, from that time, which was, I don't know, 90 94 maybe until now uh, except for the last three years where I joined uh, Halifax Water, water utility here in Halifax, uh, Nova Scotia and set up their project management office. So I, I run the project management office, <coughs> excuse me, for IT uh, and uh, we do about $10 million worth of projects a, a year with about 25 people or so. Wow, impressive. So that's my professional life from an accidental project manager to a credentialed project manager to running the project <laughs> management office for a water utility. Wow. Wow. So, you know, I, I have an IT background as well. Oh. So explain to the listeners who may not know what exactly is project management. Well, I guess to explain that, we'd have to talk about what is a project uh, project managers manage projects and projects are things that have a beginning and they have an end. So they're finite in time and they're designed to deliver uh, a set of products. Um, it might be one product or it might be many products to meet a business uh, goal. So uh, projects need to be aligned with strategy. They always have uh, what we call scope so what is it you want this project to do? Uh, they have business objectives. Why is this project being run? Uh, they have stakeholders. Who is involved in this project? Uh, who should we talk to? Who do we have to pull into the project team? Uh, are there customers who are impacted? Do we have to communicate with them? Uh, so it has, it has the scope. It has uh, also a schedule. Uh, when must this thing be completed? And it has a budget. How much should it cost? And I say should, because early on, when a project is a gleam in somebody's eye, they think, oh, well, this is going to take six months and it's going to cost $500,000. And then when they get a project manager in, uh, reality may sink in. So it might take two years and it might cost a few million. Or if they're really lucky, it might take a few months and cost a couple hundred thousand instead of 500. So, uh, but generally speaking, people tend to be very optimistic when they're planning projects at a very high level because they don't have the detail that they need to be able to estimate those sorts of things. Right. Exactly. Tell me if I'm going on too long about any of your questions. I'm happy no, to be I mean, No, I, I love the detail. So here, you know, you go on and on. Now, if you see my eyes crossing together, then <laughs> you should go on too long. But no, you're fine. Um, <laughs> being a person who has been in IT and has done project management, and I'm pretty sure you're familiar with um, the term scope creep. Oh, yes. Um, so tell the listeners, because project management is very important. And like you just said, a lot of times businesses, they have this pie in the sky dream and they want all the bells and whistles and they think, oh, it's no problem. You know, we can get this done for a little bit of nothing or it won't take this much time. And then the project manager comes in to snap them back into reality. <laughs> so for the people who are listening and if they have ever dealt with the project management or they have a project that's coming up, just let them know that how important it is and how the advantages and disadvantages and what it means to stay within your scope so that you don't end up going to that scope creep. Yeah, uh, so scope creep is a, a term that people use to describe a project that's gone off the rails, uh, where the scope maybe was not well-defined to start with. It may have been vague. And what the project manager and the project team understood was one thing. And what the sponsors of the project and project owners and stakeholders understood was another thing. And sometimes the, the gap is very large. So scope creep in project management parlance is about uncontrolled expansion of scope. 
but it is often caused by a misunderstanding and poor definition of scope in the first place. So one of the biggest jobs of a project manager, one of the most important jobs is to uh, define the scope of the project upfront and create what we call a project charter so that everybody understands what the project is. We put rope around the scope and we say, this is what is in scope. This is what this project will deliver. And oh, by the way, we know that some of you are thinking it will deliver this thing over here, but guess what? That's outside the rope. It's not going to be delivered by this project. And here's why. And so you might have some complaints at that time, but at that point, you go to the project sponsor and you say, mm, one of your stakeholders thinks this project is going to deliver that, and it's not. So could you help me figure out how to communicate that? Um, so that definition of scope up front means that you now have a baseline uh, for the project. And if everybody agrees to the scope, you're good to go. If people don't agree with the scope, well, you're not. Right. And you have to do something about that. And that would be a huge issue for the project if the scope was unclear. And I often say bad news is better delivered early. Yeah, It's not like wine. It's not like <laughs> cheese. It doesn't get better the older it gets. In fact, it always gets worse. So if you have some bad news, i.e. this project is not going to deliver that stuff, or this project will cost way more than you think it will cost, or this project will take a, this much longer than you think it will deliver it early. And that's the job of the project manager very, very early on to make sure expectations are set early on. The worst thing you can do is run a project that's ill-defined. Your best, if you're in a position to do so, to turn your back on a project like that and say, hey, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not the person to do this job. Find another project manager. Mm, I like that. <clears throat> now, for the businesses out there who may be planning this, what can they do in advance of calling a project manager in so that they can be kind of clear on what they want instead of just going to the table saying, oh, I want this, I want that. Can we do this? Can we do that? What can they do ahead of time yeah. before they actually bring a project manager in? Excellent question. Uh, and I would answer it with two words, and that would be business case. And I'll chuck a third word in there, strategy. It's fine to do a business case for a project. And a business case is going to say, well, what do we hope to achieve with this project? Why are we doing it? That's the strategy part. Are we doing it because it is in lockstep with our strategy? Are we doing it because there's a regulator out there who said, you must do this? That's a good reason too, which some people say that's strategic too, because you might go out of business if you don't follow that. So a business case is going to say, what will this thing cost? What benefits will it give us? That leads into benefits realization uh, and why. So that business case being done upfront will really help during the development of the project charter because the first thing that you want to do with a project charter is say, well, what are the business objectives? How does it fit into the strategy and who's involved? And you start to have this clear definition that everybody can read and understand. Anyone who's going to be involved in the project can pick up this project charter and the business case that was done beforehand and understand the project so well that clarity will reign, and that's what you want on a project. Only when you finish the project charter, which is done in conjunction with the business people who created the business case and who define the benefits they want to see from the project, can you start planning it? A wise person once said that when you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Someone else said, this is maybe a dichotomy, but uh, the plan is nothing. Planning is everything. And what that says is the plan being created with everyone who should be involved in the project, if, if it's done that way, that action of planning and that communication that goes on and that understanding of expectations that happens that is the value 
and creating a plan. Mm. It was Eisenhower who said that. So if you go in a closet, turn on the light bulb, and you're there alone, you write up this plan for a $2 million project and come out, yeah, you'll have a plan, but that's probably just as bad as not having one and you're still planning to fail uh, with that. So that whole definition piece is the charter. The planning piece is what comes next, and that's where you figure out what this project has to deliver specifically. Mm, I love it. I love that, you know, and that's so important. And it's interesting because you work for a water utility company. And my last job in uh, the private sector in IT, I worked for a utility company where we did power and water. And um, I was their uh, programmer on one of their largest systems in the sole one. And it's funny because I did a lot of these, you know, project management and doing scopes and everything. And my customers were internal, but it was so funny how they just thought I was there to just, you know, oh, can we make this red? Can we make this blue? And it's like, okay, this is how everything is going to happen. Well, why can't you just do it like this? And I'm like, okay, this is a company system. It's not just because you looked at it and you wanted to have bells and whistles. You know, we got to think about the functionality for everyone. Do you encounter things like that? Yes, and uh, we manage that uh, as project managers. There's something called uh, change control, not to be confused with change management, which is something else altogether having to do with people. Uh, And change control will be presented to what's called, in fact, PMI calls it a change control board. Uh, And this is on a very large project. You might very well have half a dozen people who are there to receive requests for change from the project manager who will explain where the change came from, why it's being requested, and give some idea of what it might cost, what it might cost in time, resources, and uh, budget. when I say resource, I'm talking about people. Uh, so the change control board might look at that and say, well, that was never in scope. We're not doing that. Or they might look at it and say, you know what? The person who suggested this change is pretty smart because it's going to really enhance the product of this project, make it more saleable or make it more usable. Uh, it might really help business or it might help meet another strategic objective that they didn't know was going to be solved by this project. In that case, a change control board might cough up the money and say, that's a really good idea. We're going to sign on the dotted line. That is not an example of scope creep. That's an example of controlled scope change. Mm -hmm. And it becomes part of the project. The baseline scope then is added to uh, with the approved change. Mm-hmm. And then the whole project schedule includes it. And more activities are added. Maybe more resources are brought in. The uh, deliverables that are required for the change are defined. And every deliverable, <clears throat> and I, I like to say you need to do deliverables-based planning which simply means you don't just have a laundry list of a bunch of activities and no one knows what they're doing or why they're doing it, why they're doing it. It, it, You know, they need the context. And to me, the context is in what they need to produce, Mm -hmm. not in what they need to do. So what you need to produce is defined by the activities but it's within the box of that thing that needs to be delivered. So you end up with a project plan that has a couple dozen deliverables and under each deliverable, you have all the activities. And I could go on about this forever and bore your readers to death, I'm sure. <laughs> each of those activities uh, are dependent one on the other, or there are dependencies almost right. always. Uh, and you have a certain limited number of resources to execute those activities to produce those deliverables. Mm -hmm. And some of the resources might be really scarce and working on multiple activities. So you could have activities that look like they're going to be like that, but when you apply the resources and find out the gaps that you have, they move out in time like that. And you end up with a a project schedule that's much, much longer. Mm -hmm. I'm getting into a lot of detail there. 
I'll stop. Yeah, you, you may be, you know, a little, I understand you, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> listeners may be like, what is he talking about? <laughs> but I can see you're passionate about what you do. Mm-hmm. And what, what gives you um, the greatest joy when you are working with organizations and within your own organization? I don't know if you do anything external, but what gives you the joy when you are being the PM? Well, um, I would have to say it's when you, well, I do a couple of things. I teach project management as well. So when I see the light go on behind people's eyes and they get it and they understand how they need to charter a project and plan a project and execute the plan, all that, that gives me uh, a lot of satisfaction. The understanding that people will have um, even more happiness will will occur when someone contacts me afterwards and looks for advice because they know that I helped them but they didn't quite understand the whole thing or maybe there's something else that happened so that that is uh, a happy occasion for me uh, the other item is when you see uh, people in executive offices be very happy with what's going on they see that the projects, which might be part of programs in the whole portfolio of projects that you're executing for the organization, are being done well and are being done consistently. Um, I once had a general manager read a document that one of my project managers produced. And it was early on. So I was doing some wordsmithing on all all these documents that went out to make sure they were crystal clear and really good. Uh, And I won't take credit for the document. The project manager wrote the document. I just a little bit of wordsmithing. But the GM said, you know what? This is the best plan for a project I have ever seen in this organization. I would not change a single word. And that was the first time that this person who ran the whole show uh, spoke out about that. And then several times afterwards, we had many people refer to the consistency uh, in what we were doing. So they knew if a project was coming up, it was going to be chartered. They would see a project charter. Guess what? They'd have to sign off on it to make sure that we got it right, because that's the definition. And then they'd have to sign off on the plan, which would address what the project was going to deliver, uh, who was going to work on it, what it would cost, and what the schedule was. But the format of what they would see would not change from project to project. It would be the same format, the same type of document. And they came to understand that and expect that. And it would be tied into uh, the strategic roadmap that they helped create. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to projects, I have heard in the past people say, um, you're a project manager, so make sure your project aligns with the corporate strategy. Mm -hmm. And I heard that for many, many years. And then I came to realize that that's not the job of the project manager. That's the job of the business. Mm. A project should never be commissioned if it does not align with the corporate strategy. So if that happens, then there is an error somewhere in the corporation where someone, first of all, is given the power to initiate a project without anybody knowing about it or without the executive knowing about it. And there's no check to see if it aligns uh, with the strategy of the organization. So I lost my train of thought. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you were talking about the the project and people saying that it should align with the business uh, strategy, the the project management, but I want to go back to what you said as far as being an accidental PM. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like asking people about their successes as well as their failures. Mm-hmm. So share with us some of the failures you've gone through until you, you know, up until this point where you have, seems like you have mastered it, you know, everything that needs to be done, but how did you grow and evolve to come to be 
the PM expert that you are, loving it, knowing exactly what to do and how to do it. Mm. Well, you're right. You learn from failures. You often don't learn from successes because you said, oh, that's good. Go on to the next thing. But failures, you mull over that for quite a while. Uh, One of my projects, this was long before organizational change management became popular. Uh, My project sponsor said, okay, great systems ready. Time to train everybody. And I said, oh, when are you going to do that? (laughs) And clearly he thought that was my job. Oh, wow. So there are a couple of things going on there. One was that the scope wasn't defined well enough because training wasn't mentioned anywhere in any document. Uh, The second was that uh, management expectations, and this is the guy who ran IT who was talking to me, uh, were not defined well enough. So expectations are different from scope because expectations can be out of scope or they can be in scope. And we had no resources for training. And I thought as a PM, a neophyte PM, I thought, well, that is a business thing. I I did the system. Here's the system. Push the buttons. It'll work. Mm -hmm. You just have to tell people what buttons to push and hire someone to do training. So that was a hard lesson learned, a hard lesson learned, I should say. Um, That was one of them. Mm -hmm. Another one is to always be certain you're talking to the right people. I love that. If you aren't talking to the right people, then you will get the wrong information. And if your whole project is established on a foundation of sand, well, you know what happens there. So make sure you're building on some rock solid information and that you're going to the right people. Don't be afraid to go talk to the right people. It doesn't matter if the person that runs the organization is the person you need to talk to. You know, grease the skids, clear the path so that you can go talk to them, but go talk to them and make sure they understand why. All you're trying to do is make it successful. You're trying to do what the business needs to meet those business objectives, to stay within the strategy of the organization, and to end the project with a a useful product. Mm. I mentioned benefits before. Uh, PMI has a guide called the Benefits Realization Management Guide. And that guide, which I was a co-author of uh, a while back with a, a sizable team of people, talks about when you have a project, one of the things you need to do early on is define the benefits that you expect to achieve from the project. And that seems like a, a reasonable thing to do, yeah. To find mm-hmm. the benefits. Why would you have a project where there aren't any benefits? Well, there's always going to be benefits. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> well, how often do people define the benefits and say, you know what? Here's what I expect to achieve. Here are the list of six things that this that, that the product of this project should help us achieve. Here's where we are today with each of those benefits. And here's where we expect to be after the product of the project is used. Not a lot of people were doing that. So this guide basically tells people to find the benefits and then track them. But the interesting piece about it, we had a lot of debate about this when we were writing that guide. Who should be responsible for achieving the benefits of a project? Is it the project team? Is it the project manager? Is it the project sponsor, the person who provided money for the project? Is it the project owner, the person who is going to use the product of the project in their department or departments? Just who is it that should be responsible and accountable for achieving the benefits? Everybody said, yeah, it's the project manager. And I'm saying, well, let's think about this for a second. The product of the project is what people use. When is the benefit achieved? Right. Totally dependent on what the product is. Right. You might achieve the benefit tomorrow when the project is finished, or you might achieve it in two years. Right. 
So how could the project manager who finishes the project and they go off to the next project or any of the team members who do the same thing usually be responsible for achieving the benefits of the project? So what this guide says is identify a benefits owner, that person who's going to be on the hot seat to make sure that the benefits of the project are achieved and the business case where those benefits are described is realized over time. So that was an eye-opener uh, for me. So I was happy to be involved in that document. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you, I'm listening to what you're saying, and it, it makes sense for me, you know, doing what I do as well, is, yeah, who who owns that? Because a lot of times they do. They expect the project manager to be the savior for everything. Mm-hmm. Project manager, you're going to do the benefits. You're going to make sure this project is successful. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. But a lot of things depends on the owner, the organization. What are you expecting? And then the time frame that it takes to get there. So that's, I think that's very important for people to understand that just because you have a project and you may have um, hired a project manager, the onus is not only on that project manager. You have a stake in this as well. So don't hire a project manager, think that they're going to create miracles for you um, because that's not how it works. That's right. Uh, The project manager will deliver what the project is meant to deliver, but they cannot make people use it. It's the old horse and water thing, right? You can produce the product. If people don't use it, they're not going to achieve the benefits. Are you responsible for people not using the product? Well, some people might argue that you are, and that gets into organizational change management. So the PM is responsible for making sure that change management is considered when the project plan is put together, that there is a change manager on the project, that a change management plan is created, and that all of the communications, documentation, and training gets into the project and is part of the project. And that, that was my first lesson that I talked about when I was a, a young first-time project manager, no training. Well, yeah, you, you need people to adopt what the project produces, and you get that by talking to people. That's the communication piece. By training people, that's the skills piece. By providing mentoring and coaching, that's the ability piece, because as you know, you can send someone off on a course for two days. It doesn't mean they can do anything when they finish it, right? Uh, and then uh, a reinforcement piece. You know, you find out you produced a product. People are supposed to be using it, and there they are using the same old product that they had before that's still not doing the job, and they're ignoring the new one. Why? Could be no one told them about it. Could be they don't like it, and no one ever asked them why they don't like it. Could be they never had the training. Could be there's no one they can call to get a little coaching or a little mentoring. And all of that's really important uh, in a project. Yeah. I mean, have you seen those things like you mentioned that just the variety of reasons why and and have they someone called you back and said, hey, you know what? You know, you did this, but my people are not using it or my people don't like it. Have you had that kind of encounter? I haven't had anybody call me back and say that because as a project manager, especially in consulting, you're gone. Uh, you're on, you're, it's not even the same company anymore. You're off on a project. It's one of the exciting things about consulting, right? You know, a lot of variety. But I have seen things not used. I've seen the creation of what we used to call shelfware mm-hmm. instead of software. I mean, IT. So, uh, And that means that uh, something was created, was put on the shelf, was never used. And I've witnessed it. So when I heard about uh, change management, uh, it was kind of like when I heard about project management Mm -hmm. in a professional sense. It was like, where have you been all my life? (laughs) (laughs) Project management. There's There's a project management body of knowledge out there. Wow. Look at this. I wish I had this when I did my first project. There's an organizational change management organization. What is this about? Oh, hey, ADCAR. That's kind of neat. What does that mean? Uh, Awareness. Tell people what you're doing before you do it. Desire. 
help people understand why it's good for the organization, why it's good for them to go along with this knowledge, give people the training they need, ability, make sure they got it, and reinforcement, make sure they use it. And that's ADCAR. It's produced by a company called ProSci, which is just one change management methodology. You need all that in a project. If you don't have that, the project will fail. There are so many ways projects can fail. It's the job of a project manager to make sure the project doesn't fail, but the product of the project is used and the benefits are gained. So they get to plan for that. They may not get to do it. So that's why it's so important to identify the benefits owner upfront. So when the project is finished, they know they're on the hot seat. They'll have their feet held to the fire if no one uses this product or they use it and it doesn't work. Now it's up to the project manager to make sure that the product works. But they can only do that within a certain scope, a certain mindset. It doesn't mean that because the product works that people will use it. And that's the job of the change manager to make sure that people will use it, that there will be a a high adoption rate. In fact, I was on a project once. It was in the uh, medical uh, profession uh, for our provincial government, and it was being funded by a federal uh, government agency. And the funding was contingent on the adoption rate. They said, you will get this money, but only when there's this percentage of adoption of this product. So that was a big focus for the provincial government agency to make sure that there was adoption. So there were two full-time change managers on that project. (laughs) Otherwise, they weren't going to get the money, right? (laughs) Right. I bet there was. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So you, um, you currently, do you still blog about project management topics? Still? Well, I do blog occasionally. I don't remember the last time I blogged, but I do have uh, blogs on projectmanagement.com, which is owned by the Project Management Institute. And I blog occasionally on LinkedIn. And basically, I, I don't have a regular schedule of blogging. Uh, I blog when I trip over something that I think is going to be useful for other people. So then I'll write a blog. So uh, you'll see gaps in time where I don't write anything. Mm -hmm. And then other times I'll write something and get some interesting comments. (laughs) One of the most interesting comments I had was from, it was actually a friend of mine um, who was in another line of business and I wrote a blog on what we were talking about, uh, benefits realization, and who, sh- who should be responsible for benefits realization. And in that blog, I mentioned benefits owners, and I mentioned the business is responsible for this. And he just tore his strip off, and he said, no way, the project manager is responsible for that. And I said, well... How can the project manager be responsible for it? Did, did you want to keep the project manager on for a year to make sure people use the product and have them not manage projects? Well, it's a business responsibility to do that. And uh, he didn't give in. In the end, we agreed to disagree. So. Wow. Interesting. That is very interesting. So, so yes. And, and, yeah, that's a good point to make. Yeah. Are you planning on keeping the project manager around? So how how can they make your people use this Mm -hmm. they can't no they can't Uh, that takes uh, work from the business and really uh, if they're not vested in this if they don't push it if they don't understand the benefits that need to be achieved then the the whole thing will fail Uh, if they understand that this was a business case that it was a senior executive thing uh, to help create this business case that it's important for the strategic mm-hmm. intent of the business, then they'll have a stake in the game mm-hmm. and they will help with the achievement of those benefits through the use of the products of the project. Mm-hmm. Wow. So we're going to go on to our questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hope they're not too hard. <laughs> they start off easy, but they progress. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Who or what motivates you? 
what motivates me? Well, I, I think it's success for myself and success for whoever, whoever I'm doing work for. So if something's not going to be successful, I'm not real crazy about being involved in it. It's kind of obvious, I guess, probably true of anybody. So that motivates me. Um, having other people understand uh, some of the things that I've seen go by and gain from that, uh, that motivates me as well. So I, I like to coach and mentor, help others uh, get along, help others understand. And, you know, we talk about the project economy. Some people talk about the gig economy similar in a way but the project economy is different the project economy is achieving the benefits that you hope to achieve that are within the strategy that you need for your company and doing that um, in a way that brings about success so that's that's critical Mm. i lost my train of thought there i think motivates you but we're going to go okay. on to the next one. Okay. What demotivates you? <laughs> oh. Well, you know, as a project manager, uh, we're probably known for cracking the whip. Uh, good project managers don't do that. Good project managers uh, lead by example and give people clear guidelines, but doesn't micromanage them. So... What demotivates me is when people don't care. Mm. Uh, They're on a project team and they're just coasting and they've got their feet up and they're not delivering and there's all kinds of excuses and reasons why they didn't deliver that you you, you can see through and their excuses. That demotivates me when you have a team that uh, is not working for the Mm. best interests of of the team and of the project and of the business. Mm. When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked out for your good? Ew. Well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to answer that one. I don't hurt easily. I have a a tough skin, a thick skin, and uh, things sort of run off my back like water off a duck's back. So, Okay. (laughs) Is that a good (laughs) non-answer? That's a good non-answer. What is your fear? Oh, my fear. I think not delivering and not living up to expectations Mm. is a fear. And that's why I'm so structured with the way I do things and the way I expect my teams to do things. Because we need to be successful. If you don't deliver, then you're not doing your job. And as a project manager, that's the job to deliver quality product on time within schedule at the right cost, at the cost that was agreed. And then I add to that and make sure it benefits the business. Yeah, interesting. Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? I think I already gave the example of that one where I totally ignored uh, change management on a project Mm -hmm. and didn't plan uh, for the training that was required to make sure that the product of the project was adopted. And I wish, of course, that I had planned that and that I'd had the foresight to to plan that and talk to the stakeholders in the project first about it. Mm. But uh, yeah, it was my first project, so. I didn't do it. It's water yeah. under the bridge. I learned from it. It's okay to make mistakes as long as you learn from them. That's right. Mm-hmm. What is your definition of success? Well, in the professional, uh, any professional viewpoint, then uh, it's delivering. Uh, it's making sure that what you're doing is strategic and that everybody knows about that. Um and that the project delivers what it said it would deliver and is used. And this is just starting to sound a little repetitive here. So I apologize yeah. for that. And, and, and you don't have to make it all about business. It could be personal as well. 
Um, so aside from all your project management, how do you recharge? Oh, I do like a little bit of alone time now and again, so I can think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also like to socialize. So uh, these days that's a little tough, but you can still get together with friends and colleagues via Zoom. It's one of the reasons I started uh, that PM mastermind group uh, with uh, a lot of people that I went to PMI school with, if you will. There, there's something called the Leadership Institute Master's Class. That's a one-year program. And there were, I think, 32 people from oh, probably a couple dozen countries uh, in on that. And uh, we we still connect with one another and talk to one another. Uh, we have a WhatsApp group. We talk mm-hmm. that way. And uh, many of them came to this PMI or this PM uh, mastermind session that I'd set up where we just talked about project management. I'm sure it would bore everyone else out of their skulls, but uh, we we were happy with it. (laughs) Aside from project management now, you got to give me a different answer. (laughs) What are you awesome at? Aside from project management? uh, Well, I'm a bit of a geek. I, I like things that are technical. I like learning new things. Um, I like figuring out tough problems. Um, and people see that and they ask me for help a lot. Um, so if I find something that is worthwhile, uh, it may have nothing to do with projects. It might have to do with, say, uh, you know, who's the best internet provider. Mm-hmm. Uh, where can you get the least expensive mobile phone? Mm-hmm. Uh, that sort of thing. Uh, sometimes I get myself in trouble because when you do things like that, you become a help desk. Yep. yep. <laughs> I, I, I'm laughing because I have been at that point and now I'm, yeah. I, I don't go there anymore because yeah, people start calling you like, you know, um, my computer won't do this. How do, and it's like, oh, goodness, you know, I'm not a help desk. So now I don't even give. I don't even go there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I enjoy that. Uh, there's there's something called citizen developer that PMI is pushing right now. That's where people can create uh, applications that they can have downloaded to a mobile phone or it'll run on a tablet or it'll run on a computer and they don't do anything. They just create it and it does all that automatically. Uh, so... I started playing around with that. Uh, there's something called AppSheet, uh, which is uh, a tool that has a lot of neat features in it. So you can create things that become mobile apps. So that's a, that's a fun thing. And it's a geeky tech thing that PMI is actually pushing, strangely enough, because it's uh, it's about developing things. It's about creating IT product, products yourself. It's not about managing projects, but uh, the idea is that if you know how to do those things as a project manager or your team knows how to do it, then you can be more effective uh, managing your projects. Mm. What legacy do you want to leave? And it doesn't have to be project management. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a legacy. I just hope that uh, my my kids uh, see the way I've behaved in my lifetime and uh, will emulate the positive things and not emulate the things that aren't so positive. <laughs> and that they'll be successful as a result of that. Um, okay, so give the listeners one motivational takeaway, and this can be about PM if you want it to be. A motivational takeaway. Well, if you want to do something, if you want to get it done, you have to define what you are trying to do, and then you have to plan it. And as long as you just have all these things floating around or on a list, and you don't do that, then you're not going to achieve what you want to achieve. So get it together. Be clear about what you want. This is in personal life. It's in business. It's in anything you want, from planning a vacation to you know, buying a new car to buying a house to find what it is you're trying to achieve and plan it out and then execute the plan. You can change the plan. It's not written in stone, but execute it. Uh, Project management is 
an odd term because people don't know what it means. But when you think about it, everything you do is a project. Your life is a project. What you want to achieve in your lifetime, you can boil that down into a bunch of deliverables. You can put it into a time frame from the day you're born. Well, that'll be a little too early to plan uh, <laughs> until the day you're gone. You can plan all that out. Wow. Okay. So how can the listeners connect with you, Mike, if they need a project manager or they just want to connect to get in one of your masterminds, whatever, mm-hmm. tell, tell the listeners. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, Mike Frenette, uh, and I'm on projectmanagement.com, which people can sign up for. There's no cost option to that. Uh, there are webinars and blogs and all that sort of thing on there. Many people aside from myself are, are speaking out on projectmanagement.com. And there's Twitter, Halifax PM is my handle on Twitter. So lots of different ways to get in touch and my other contact information, you know, that boring email stuff that no one uses anymore. Uh, that's on, uh, on LinkedIn and my contact info. Okay. Well, Mike, I thank you for being on Trina talk today and talking about project management. I'm pretty sure the listeners out there who have businesses and are planning to have some kind of project coming up, I hopefully they gain something and, if nothing else, they know to get clear before they hire in a PM so that they can get things going without any misunderstandings. Indeed. Clarity is important. Very important. Yes. So thank you. Thank, you. thank you. Thank you for your time. You're welcome, Trina. Thank you for interviewing me. It was very enjoyable. If you like Trina Talk Podcast, please don't forget to go out to iTunes and rate it five stars and leave a review. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination.